On this episode of Resi Week, we talk the top voice commands, Cedia's CIT earns ANSI accreditation, and Staub is acquired by SnapAV. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 312, No Coincidences. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on, and by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jason Knott. He's the Chief Content Officer at CE Pro. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And then we have the one and only Mitchell Klein. He's the Director of Alliances Strategy for Z-Wave Alliance. How you doing, Mitch? I'm doing Great. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year or belated New Year. Happy New Year. All that fun stuff. Gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and Alex Capasolantra, who's a good friend of the show. And we kind of teased this last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's, go back and listen to that, then then listen to this week. Uh, The top 10 smart home commands for 2021. Through this article, Alex goes through uh, to talk about not only list but talk about uh, the ten most popular commands on uh, the Josh AI platform, and there were a couple of surprising ones, uh, including the 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 manner in which people are using watch Apple TV opposed to just not watch Netflix, and uh, the use of the fan, which again Alex touched on a little bit last week. Uh, Jason, I, I want to start with you on this. How do we leverage? Like, this is good information. It's great to look at and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see that. I, I get why people are, are you know, using this to turn on music or turn on lights or close shades. How do we go about utilizing this information or, or, or making actual use of it beyond just, again, you know, common info to, to, to including your sales pitch? Hey, are all, all our other customers use it like this? So... If I could read between the lines for just a second on the this list, I thought it was very interesting. And I think this is something that integrators can really take advantage of is, again, kind of going through the list, uh, you know, turn on off lights. I, I think just for the people who haven't read the story, you know, what time is it? Good night. Good morning. Turn on off TV. Um, close the shades. Watch Apple TV. What's the weather? Turn on off fan. But then one of the the one that was the most telling to me was that one of them is only turn off the music or stop the music. There's not turn on the music. And to me, what that tells me is that people still need to utilize to find their best, their song that they want to say. It's either too difficult to say it, this particular song that they want to play, or they're really comfortable using an interface to find that song that they want to play to turn on because this was not there was nothing about turning on the music in this top 10 list only turning it off well if i can jump in for one second um what i wonder about because this is top 10 the music you're going to ask it to play is going to be different than the music mitch is going to ask it to play which is different than the music i'm going to ask it to play 
which is different than what my kids are going to ask it to play, which for your information is still Christmas carols. It's driving me mad. <laughs> Better than Baby Shark, I guess. That is true. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, to me, it, it, it shows me that you still need that secondary or secondary. If you want to call, I don't know if you want to call the voice a primary interface or you want to call it a secondary interface, but to me, you're still going to need another interface. Your point being that you think they're making that as a voice command for a particular song and that's why it's not showing up. I'm just saying we don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all right. Yeah, no, I, I read that as that it's just easier to tell it to turn off. And it's easier to find, to do some other mechanism to turn it on to find mm-hmm. that song that you want to want to play. So um, that was kind of my interesting point. That I think the voice control is awesome. We know it's growing like crazy. It's you know the data that we've done showing that every year it's doing a double digit growth in terms of its penetration in terms of smart home deployments being done by professional integrators. Um, I love what Josh AI is doing in terms of differentiating itself from, from Amazon and from Google. And so for integrators, I think this is a valuable list to look at and say, here's what, these are the common things that you can use Mr. and Mrs. Smith in your home. And this is how this system is going to be used. I know the one thing that's on here that we, we use ours for at our home that, that I was surprised wasn't on there was to, to do a timer. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife hasn't turned the timer on in the oven in, in years. It, it's all done through voice control. She has three, four, five different timers going based upon what she's got in the microwave, what she's got in the toaster oven, what she's got in the in the uh, on the on, on the stove top, what she's got in the mm-hmm. oven. So, yeah, that's a good point, uh, Mitch. When when you see this kind of kind of to Jason's point, well, is this showing us that it, it, it's still voice is still mainly used for those quick commands and not necessarily used for, for those complex, Hey, I want to find this album by this artist and not the, not the main one, but the acoustic version that was released five years later. Yeah. It's interesting uh, to align what we saw from Josh.ai and then read about what say Mrs. A is saying as well. They're Mm -hmm. pretty well aligned, which is, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Um, to Jason's point, the one that we use all the time isn't even on that, and that is like, uh, you know, hey, Mrs. A, add this to my shopping list, right? Mm-hmm. Which, to me, that, that was what broke ground in my family that enabled me to actually put voice control, because up to that point, it was like, we don't want it, you know, get rid of it. But I think you're right, the, the more complex commands won't show up as a top 10, because yeah. they're more complex. You know, maybe if we asked... Uh, you know, Alex, to give us the top 100, we might see some things that are, can be a bit more specific uh, than the general commands, which we're seeing in that list. Again, I, I was not surprised by any except number 10, which was the Apple one. Um, really? I was surprised that came in the top 10, to be honest with you. Yeah. Why? I did not, I did not realize that Apple was popular enough, you know, within the community, the Josh community, to be in the top 10. That's all. I thought mm-hmm. it would have been Netflix or or Paramount or uh, Disney Plus or HP. I can go on and on, as you can tell. Yeah. But that Apple was there is kind of interesting. See, I was surprised that it finally popped. I, I was surprised that it took so long to finally pop up because yeah. I know in our with our client base, which obviously is, you know, smaller uh, based on Josh's massive deployment. But they use Apple TV as the launch point for everything else. 
So, I don't know. Interesting. It's very, very fun to follow. Let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Systems. CEDIA's CIT certification is now accredited using the ANSI, American National Standards Institute. Uh, read through the article. It, it talks about um, why they're doing it and, and how important that is. Mitchell, let me, let me come back to you on this. How does accreditation help and, and maybe enhance certifications? It makes them legitimate. I mean, maybe I shouldn't use that term, but that's exactly what it does. It legitimizes it. So when you're trying to build a workforce mm -hmm. and you say, hey, we've got these standards, come and get certified. And what does that mean? Doesn't really have a meaning, right? Other than maybe in a small niche. All of a sudden, when you got ANSI approval, all of a sudden, that is truly a career path. Uh, I'll, I'll say it legitimizes a career path. I know people are going to hate on me for saying that. Uh, but in reality, that that's what, what it's been. And huge kudos. This is big, big news. Yeah, we've been trying to get this kind of recognition for over 20 years. So so yay. let me let me ask you in an arguably an annoying follow-up because <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. I know this is massive. I know this is huge. To the average person coming into the industry, heck, to the average business owner in the industry, what like what does it actually mean to them, right? It, uh, unless we get, dare I say, government recognition as like a trade where you need this to actually work, you need an ANSI certification to actually work. Yeah, I I okay. know it's important. Does it mean anything? Is there yeah, any teeth? Don't go there. Yeah, we, we don't want to <laughs> require it. Don't, don't start with. I, know, I don't either. I just I want to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to make it a requirement. Um, but listen, one of the most common challenges you'll find from integrators today is they don't have the workforce. This directly addresses it. Now, unfortunately, it's not going to spit out a, an entire uh, uh, workforce overnight. It's going to take mm -hmm. a little bit of while to do it. But this really addresses the number one challenge. I know I've been hearing for what, certainly the 20 years, where do I yeah. find qualified help? Now we've got an acknowledged standard, an acknowledged career path that you know, it's not about those that graduate with the ANSI uh, certification. It's the fact that now it's attractive for people to go and seek it and gives yeah. us access to a real workforce. I think it's great. I love it. Jason, how do we how do we increase the adoption of the use of this, right? How, how do we go about encouraging business owners and, and newcomers to the industry to go out and get this so that they have those little, those little initials they can put after their name? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question because, you know, we know the penetration of actually CDM membership versus the entire universe of integrators is small. It's not like the American trucking association that has 98% members you know, this industry, like all other associations, quite frankly, for the most part, have um, most of the industry not part of, of the group. But the thing that I find, I applaud CEDIA for doing this, to differentiate this and to really push it forward. As Mitch said, we did a study uh, back in 2016 in CE Pro. And we asked integrators, what are the most important certifications that you get for your workforce? And number one by far was individualized manufacturer training. Um, yeah. And in fact, 
um, 16%, I've, I kind of dug up the numbers here, 16% of integrators deemed CEDIA uh, education to be not important at all. But that on the flip side of that, uh, 53% called it very important. Uh, so about half the industry recognizes that's important. The one thing we also found in our survey, huge delta between bigger companies and smaller companies in terms of the amount that they tr that they will dedicate for training for their team, <laughs> the, the percentage of their team that's trained, whether they will send their team uh, members to uh, in-person training, either at any CDA event or, you know, this, this has remote element to it. You don't have to go. You can do it through... Um, through the remote testing, uh, mm -hmm. which is actually even more flexible. So um, it's a, it, to make it more important, it's just got to be adopted, you know? And yeah. I, I get, see, get your point that a customer is probably not going to ask, hey, how many of your technicians are ANSI certified training through CDSCIT? It's just not going to roll off the tip of their Mr. and Mrs. Smith's tongue. So um, uh, the industry, you know, the, the, the industry has to recognize that it makes their technicians better. It makes their company better. And as Mitch said, it develops a career path. So it's positive overall. It's just a long way to go. It's a first step. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's uh, change topics yet again. This comes to us from strategy.com. Snap One acquires the Canadian distributor Staub Electronics. Uh, if you if you don't know Staub, then you're probably not Canadian. But notwithstanding, I am. So we're going to talk about it because I want to. So, and it's my show. So that's what happens. Uh, Jason, this is just another, another domino that, that, that's falling to the, to the snap machine. Um, Staub has been a, uh, a distributor partner for snap, uh, for, for 10 years or so. But as of uh, late last week, they were officially acquired. They're going to keep most of the management staff. The, the founder is going to retire. Um, but other than that, there, there, there's not a lot of details yet. What does this do? And I'm fully aware of how comical it slightly is that I'm asking two Americans about stuff in Canada, but we're going to leave that for, for a moment. Um, what does this do to the Canadian distribution model, knowing that Canada is not like the U.S.? There's not necessarily five distributors in every metro that have the majority of what you would need to finish a job. It's a much smaller footprint. Is this, is this good? Is this bad? Is this indifferent? Is this a wait and see? Um, you know, the one thing I'll go back is let me back up is what does this mean for, for snap, you know? And yeah. one of the things that came out when snap went public was that it was clear that they had not addressed the international market, uh, like they should, you know, and we all know how dominant they have become in domestically in the U.S., but their international presence was lacking. But mm -hmm. if you're an investor, hey, they got the whole rest of the world to go after still, and they're still doing great. So there's a, an opportunity. So and they actually John Heyman, I think, mentioned that specifically that that international yeah. growth was going was on their roadmap and they were going to be uh, moving ahead. So, um, you know, you know, Staub much better better than I do in terms of what this actually means um, for the market. I don't know how fragmented the market is up there in terms of that, the, if there are so many fewer choices that then when you get into a dominant player like this, you know, Snap isn't going to be one that's going to do with the Amazon routine where they're going to start going in and, and undercutting prices. That's not kind of their, their business model, I think. Um, 
since they're committed to the channel. So, um, you know, you're right. It's kind of an odd question to be asking an American because I get questions all the time from, <laughs> from Canadian readers who say, can you write more about uh, the Canadian market than you do in CE Pro? And, and we've, we, we have tried, but kind of half-heartedly, we need to do a lot more of it. Mitch, you've, you've been in the business a long time. What happens when a, a, a smaller market has a, a dominant player, to use Jason's terms, come in and, and take over one of those players? Yeah, it's going to go one of two directions, right? Where everything's going to have to then fit into a, an existing model of business. And very often the sales force, et cetera, tends to get thinned out, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you, they start looking at uh, the, the economies of scale. So people like the accounts receivables, you know, accounts payables, uh, tech support, things like that will generally then be brought all inside and you lose some of that personal connection. And we've been saying for years that people buy from people. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, if that happens, that won't be very good for the Canadian market. That's one possibility. Yep. The other possibility is they continue to leverage the strengths from Staub. Um, what I do know about them is they've always had a very good sales team, great yep. training. Overall, have been a really good, effective distributor. And that, that's from my previous experience with uh, URC. Um, and I remember bringing them all in in hockey shirts at one point and training them. And I mean, this, this was a really good outfit. So the other possibility is to say, okay, Staub, you're an extension of Snap AV. We're going to let you keep you know, the relationships you have and now add on things that you can do for them. So the other possibility is it could be a really good thing for the Canadian market. I don't yeah. know which way to go. Yeah. This might be interesting because NAP and Control 4 still haven't combined their rewards programs. They're still separate. So now if there's another one to kind of work into the mix, it'll be, it might be interesting to see how that combination goes. Yeah, I think that'll be the, I think that'll be the main kicker, right? They, they're already supplying a, a large amount of Snap product uh, that will likely expand as they, as they work through this. It will be interesting to see, I know we've covered over the years when they've acquired some other distributors in the US, quite often it seems that a lot of those programs dissipate fairly quickly. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. The The other aspect that I'm, I, I think is kind of a, a bit of a testing ground, kind of to your point, Jason, they are looking, and they've mentioned multiple times that they're looking at global expansion. Coming into Canada is a safe-ish yet still challenging move. And we've seen behemoths in retail come into Canada and falter dramatically a la the, the, the target experience that, you know, is still or will be taught for years in business school. Uh, so it'll be very, very interesting to watch. Let's hit uh, one last story real quick before we let you go. This comes to us from CE Pro. ProSource University has been made free for their members through September. Uh, the university is currently used by 88% of the buying group's membership for onboarding and training of their employees. They've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 plus active courses and over 25,000 course completions since its launch of May 2020. Mitch, when you when you see this, we, we've kind of been we've talked a bunch of stuff today, but uh, this kind of dovetails nicely with the the CDA conversation finding and uh, growing your workforce is is so important. 
what does it mean to have uh, ProSource, A, having such a large catalog, but B, offering it free for the, uh, till, what do I say, September there, um, for its members to continue to hopefully help onboard and help continue that, that growth and that maturity of their workforce? Let's rationalize the two. First of all, we had two announcements that were coincidentally right around the same time. You, you know, don't say. About, yeah, <laughs> funny about that. There are no coincidences, are there? No, no. Um, it's interesting in that the CD announcement is about bringing new people in, and the pro source is about taking your existing people and you know giving them mm -hmm. additional training. So one could look at that and say that they could nicely dovetail. Um, although I still do wonder. I mean not just ProSource, but certainly other buying groups definitely seem to be taking more and more bites out of the, uh, the Cedia playbook, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so we will have to see uh, how that goes. But if you're already a member of the pro group and you've got till September to get your people through some of these trainings, and I love the fact that they're not all just technical trainings, yep. you got to do it. You got to take advantage of it. Jason, what is the, has this kind of become one of the biggest benefits of the buying groups they've I'm trying to think I want to say it was HTSA launched a, a huge lighting certification last year that is supposedly on par with the ALA um, certification as well you're seeing uh, at least I'm seeing and full disclosure I am not a member of a buying group I'm seeing more talk about the educational benefits of joining and being a member of, of, of a buying group than I am of the product discounts and the access to, to product, which for a long time was the lead. Ha, has it shifted or is it just they're shifting their focus from a from an outward standpoint on that educational aspect? Um, I think obviously this, the basis still is the product um, area, side of it, even, even though they're going to talk about you know, you look at Nationwide has a really fantastic um, uh, marketing thing with a full-blown studio where they can do TV commercials for their members and things like that. And then you mentioned the lighting stuff that HTSA is doing, ProSource is doing uh, lighting, Azion is doing um, a lot of business management stuff that they've been they've focused on. So I think those are all added benefits of being you know part of those those buying groups versus just a volume discount on TVs and speakers. So um, I think it was a few years ago, HCSA tried to remove the board buying group from the terminology. I can't remember what they were calling yeah. themselves. It was some sort of, a, of another n name. Um, and people kind of chuckled at that, I think, because they knew the basis really still is the product side of the business. And, yeah. and, so, but the, it's it's all good for them to do that. I'm very excited, like Mitch said, to see that a lot of the classes are not just technical, but I am also very excited to see the lighting um, part of this too, because yeah. that's become you know, huge. You mentioned that um, HTSA, and I think we also have to recognize that there's a good amount of competition just between the buying groups, right? Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I mean, how many buying groups can each company join? Where does it make sense? And a key here is member engagement and sometimes it's not just about the education it's just seeing that that's a way to engage the members mm -hmm. to keep them uh as an active participant in your buying group good goal yeah, yeah it's very good 
All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Mitch, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Z-Wave Alliance, where can they do that? Email Mitch at ZWaveAlliance.org or uh, tweet at me at Mitchell underscore Klein. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Knott, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, uh, catch your podcast. Where can they do that? They can always go to CEPro.com and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jason W. Knott. Beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen, again for joining us. Thank you for, for listening. If you'd like to connect with me, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 